Bullish news has been a bit on the thin side this week. Simple profit taking in soybeans and lack of buying in the grains is providing early market pressure. Mixed signals on the global economy. We'll talk about that and definitely going to talk about what everybody else has been talking about this week. And that is the weather in South America, both Brazil and Argentina, and the impact that it's having. And of course, our conversations with Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the very generous support of the Allen County Farm Bureau who are also hosting this year's annual State Farm Convention right here in town at the Grand Wayne Center. And we're going to be down there broadcasting live on the final day of that Saturday. It's just our way of saying thanks for the support of the Allen County Farm Bureau. Well, gentlemen, let's start with what's going on in Brazil. David, it's been totally fascinating. And, you know, we started talking about this weeks ago when we started to see weather that just was not friendly to planting or getting out in fields or whatever. So mixed signals coming out of Brazil. Private firms have been cutting production estimates down from 155.856 down to this past week, 150. And some people are looking at that 150 and going, yeah, no. And others are going, we have all kinds of data that suggests that it's absolutely 150 and could even go lower. So, David, I know you've been watching that weather down there very closely. Give us your take on it. Yeah, it's like the old Frankenstein movie. There's Frankenstein's a town. All the people living in town are after with pitchforks. That's El Nino. <laughs> and that's the way we're acting toward it right now. But for me, I've got to switch. I'm looking ahead at the crop as they'll be harvesting it. Because remember, it was planted late or they're going to have to replant some of it. Right. And I'm looking ahead to next year to try and gauge what that crop's going to be because the numbers have been falling precipitously for both Argentina and Brazil, although they had some rain this week. But that's the problem with the weather. As soon as you forecast drought, it rains. As soon as it rains, you get drought back again. But I'm going to be talking about next year's crops, especially keep an eye on that safrina corn. That's the one that'll suffer if it is dry in the April-May time frame. BFF, Coley. <laughs> you know, I talked to Dr. Michael Cordonier last week, and he says Brazil's weather will delay the planting of the safrina corn crop, which obviously that is 75% of the annual production. Uh, he says some of the soybeans that got planted so late, like David just mentioned, are so bad that some farmers are actually tearing them up and planting cotton instead. So the real issues going on with the crops down there. Yeah, there are. But, you know, again, I just want to point out, it's still too early. Things can change dramatically over the next two to three months. And I'd like to point out, too, that it was just December of a year ago. We were talking about, oh, there's concerns about the spring the crop. It's going to be late planting. It's going to hit the dry season and it could be a disaster. Now, what happened? They had record production on their safrina crop. Yes, it was planted late, but they got the right weather at the right time. Yep. So we can sit here and talk about all this stuff. But, you know, when it comes to weather, it's just a day-to-day thing. At this point, we can't count on anything. It could be bad. It could be good. Time will tell. Cordonier says that uh, the reason why China is buying U.S. soybeans right now <laughs> is because of the potential losses in Brazil, and they're hedging their bets. And, of course, mm-hmm. he says that they've got a bunch of people on the ground and so they're getting intel, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So, you know, I guess, David, we're probably seeing that is probably part of the reason why China's buying U.S. soybeans. Exactly. Because even though they've got commitments to the South Americans, both Argentina and Brazil and some others, they want to back up here. And I think that's why we're seeing all this interest in soybeans and corn now, too, because they're just trying to back themselves up. Now, they'll cancel as soon as they can get it from South America. That's the <laughs> typical thing. So what happens? Yeah, they're hedging themselves. So they're smart. They're going to protect themselves and make sure they're covered because of the uncertainty. But if the crop comes through and it's big and it's plentiful, 
what happens? Then they cancel all that stuff and the market <laughs> yeah. collapses. So, John, you had mentioned prices in recent weeks about how our corn and soybeans are priced right now on the global level and, and why it's a good deal for China. But I think, David, maybe you were pointing out that as we look forward into next year to maybe February, March, that that's probably going to be maybe a different story, David. Yeah, it definitely is, especially with Argentina's new president talking about switching over the currency from the Argentine peso to the U.S. dollar. And like Cordonio said, there aren't enough dollars in Argentina to switch over. He's making all these promises and he probably can't, you know, fulfill any of them at this point. And make sure and listen to that because there's a lot of information he gives. But that's the whole thing that's really shook up everybody about Argentina is the switch over to the U.S. dollar. Amazing. Yeah, John, one of the things that I got here just this past week was, and these are estimates, obviously, and to your point, has a lot to do with what happens with the weather, but they were suggesting that somewhere around February or March that Brazilian corn and soybeans, particularly soybeans, could be a dollar cheaper coming out of Brazil than out of the U.S. Well, that happened last year. In fact, it got to even greater than a dollar, you know, because they had such a big crop last year. Just uh, we saw the widest differential we've ever seen, you know. And what I'm concerned about is, is that, yes, they're starting to lower the production. Concern about the Brazilian beans and they're beginning to lower production ideas. However, Argentina, if you got to remember, their crop was, what, 40 percent of normal last year. It was a disaster. Yeah. Well, if they have normal weather year, there's going to be a big crop in Argentina to make up for the, for the possible problems in Brazil. So today, it's difficult to imagine that the total South American bean supplies are going to be lower this coming year than they were this past year. And we saw what happened last year. We had that huge discount and they took over the soybean market and things got kind of negative. But is there an offset to that? U.S. crush. All this capacity coming on, new capacity coming on stream is is what I'm really kind of focusing on, is how that's all going to shake out. Yes, they're going to get really hungry for soybeans. And the more time spent, the more hungry they're going to get with expansions coming year after year to 2026 now, maybe even later. That's right. One of the things I want to throw in here before we get too far off the subject is, you know, we talk about China buying a lot of the product and we talk about the difference in prices and so forth. And one of the things that's really hanging things up right now, a similar situation with Mississippi River when the levels got so low and Panama Canal's now got a problem and it's making it really difficult. Boy, we've got some really full bins here, John, in the eastern grain belt (laughs) trying to get that down the river and then through the Panama Canal, which has low water levels and a six to eight day backup of ships. It's going to be difficult to get some of this stuff to the Orient, to anywhere over there, Korea, China, anybody. That's exactly right. And once again, because of the problems with the Panama Canal, six to eight day waits to get through. Therefore, you're going to shift some demand in the U.S. over to the PNW. So this whole thing gets kind of confusing after a while. But I would like to point out corn supplies in the U.S. are you know, it's more than comfortable, actually, with the carryover projected. And the projected carryover for uh, this year is the third largest carryover since 2005, third largest in 18 years. And we saw what happened this fall. We saw space fill up for the first time in a long time, and we saw the uh, Dece March corn spread has gotten out to the widest it's ever been at over 22 cents. Holy cow. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been a long time since we've seen much carry in corn. We've got the biggest carry ever. Again, why is corn prices going lower? Why did December 23 corn hit its lowest, uh, just recently hit its lowest price since yeah. summer of 2021? It's because of this large corn crop and the pressure on space. Guys, we still need to get some demand to show up for corn. 
the freight rates are exploding on ocean freight right now because, number one, the Panama Canal is driving freight rates higher for ocean freight. So that's going to drive even more stuff to PNW, guys. That's exactly right. John, when you bring up the term demand, this past week, uh, U.S. corn export sales beat expectations. And, David, when you look at the numbers, we've had a pretty good couple of weeks when it comes to export sales. No kidding. The corn at 1.928.8. I'm loving that. Unknown, but yeah, you know who that is. 726.6. Mexico, 295. And Japan, 288. Beans came in just behind corn at 1895. China, there it is. They bought 893 tons of beans. Unknown bought 295. And it just looks like things just keep getting better and better for export demand here over the Thanksgiving week. Remember, that's a seasonal effect. I was talking about that in October. That unknown sale of corn was huge, 726,000 tons, which was 28 million bushels to unknown. Right. The thinking is, as to China, I mean, is there any reason not to believe that? Because that's a huge number. And China, for the most part, has been absent in the U.S. corn market, and their purchases to date have been running way behind. So are we going to see them keep coming and start to make up that gap? Oh, yes, because they love to go to unknown, so you don't know who it is, and you know who it is, because it's the government of China. China buying or is it the people of China that are you know in the business and that's the one thing that's so interesting about China who's buying this grain and the government's been rebuilding their stocks remember a couple of years ago they sold all that old stuff out that was no good anymore and they started refilling it but at the same time the crushers are kind of like holding their breath waiting to see what the government does so there's a lot of mixture going on in China between the government and the uh, regular merchants Kind of a fun fact from the analytic firm Consus, C-O-N-S-U-S, fairly new, Consus. But the first shipment of South African soybeans got to Chinese ports this week and immediately cleared inspection. Not like U.S. when they mess with us. South African soybeans to Chinese ports and immediately cleared inspection. Think about that for a while. I think you'll begin to see why that is curious and could even be troubling. David, talk about troubling, you know, every year about this time after we get done with Thanksgiving, then we start looking at the livestock market, particularly beef and pork through the holidays. And you're expecting people are going to do, you know, maybe a standing rib roast or whatever for the holidays. But it just seems like it's always weird. What's going on with the market right now? Well, I think they're trying to settle themselves a bit because they were a bit overpriced, especially in October. Remember, I was talking about that. They were as high as they could go, and then they did go higher. So it makes me look dumb. Well, I'm already looking that way anyway. But the whole point <laughs> I want to stress is that uh, this market was a little bit overdone, and the grocery stores are trying to feature as much as they can. But with the shortage of beef, they are forced to feature pork. But then some are trying to feature beef because nobody else is. So there's a big <laughs> battle going on in the grocery stores, too. But it's a bit overpriced. I think it's too high here for both beef and pork and for both the cattle and the hogs. If we settle off a little bit and come back down, then we can look for a base there and start to head back up again. And it is time for the final word. You know, we used to try and end this thing each week, but Kavanaugh just wouldn't let us. Hold it, by the way, I got a final. Okay, so we just decided, what? Just give him the final word. Kavanaugh, what do you got for us this week? Well, as we talk about sustainable aviation fuel and of interest, this past Tuesday was the first transatlantic flight out of London, a Virgin Atlantic's Boeing 787 that was 100% sustainable aviation fuel. That SAF was made from 88% of waste fats and 12% synthetic aromatic kerosene made from plant sugars. Wow. So 
that's very significant and very impressive. If you look outside and it smells good, look up. There's probably a plane flying over here with that aromatic perfume <laughs> stuff in the desk. <laughs> Let's go fly, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you each week by the very generous support of the Allen County Farm Bureau. We couldn't do it without you. And they are also participating with the State Farm Bureau and hosting this year's annual State Farm Bureau Convention right here in town at the Grand Wayne Center. And I have have convinced, and it didn't take very much convincing, to get the guys to say yes to coming along with me. So Cody and Kavanaugh will join me for a live broadcast of Midwest Ag on the final day of this year's annual state convention, and we're happy to be there. It's our way of saying thanks for the support of the Allen County Farm Bureau. Podcasts by Federated Media.